Welcome to this week's episode of the Record Report Podcast. My name is Ahmad. And it's your boy Vance B. And this week, we revisited one of the blog era's crown jewels, uh, Frank Ocean's 2011 release, Nostalgia Ultra. Let's go. I think I started something. I got what I wanted. Did, did, and I can't feel nothing. Superhuman. And when I'm fucking for Agra, popping every single record, auto tuning, zero emotion, muted emotion, pitch corrected, computed emotion. Uh huh. I blame it on a model bra with a Hollywood smile. Ow. Stripper booty in a rack like wow. Nostalgia Ultra. Making that was was a, a labor of love. It was like difficult, you know, to make, not like writing the songs or arranging the songs. I mean, that had a level of difficulty too, but just piecing together all the resources to do it, you know, at the level that I wanted to, like the quality of record I wanted to make and not, you know, not really know how to make beats and not really know how to engineer like that and um, really only being a singer-songwriter at the end of the day, you know, it was it was difficult. That had a level of difficulty, but it was it was a, a process that I appreciated, you know, so much, you know, and appreciate so much in retrospect. That's a pretty big trunk on my Lincoln Town car, ain't it? Big enough to take these broken hearts and put them in it. Now I'm driving round on a boulevard, trunk bleeding And every time the cops pull me over, they don't ever see them, they never see them And I got this black suit on, rolling around like I'm ready for a funeral Five more miles till the road runs out Nostalgia Ultra was released February 16th, 2011 as a self-release project. Um, the album featured production from Happy Perez, Tricky Stewart, Midi Mafia, James Fauntleroy, um, with and was composed of original songs, covers, and remakes. Um, the album did not have any features, but it was a monumental album and changed the landscape for alternative R&B and R&B for years to come, thanks to Frank Ocean. Um, before we get into the breakdown of it all, what did you think about it, uh, Vance? I remember first looking at this album, looking at the cover and everything um, when I was in college. Um, this 2011 really good year for alternative music um, and uh, 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 like an adaptive era but like just looking at this 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 cover I really did not know what to expect I knew that this person was aff affiliated with our future I didn't know what he did with our future but I already heard Tyler and I already heard Earl and I was terrified of what the fuck I was going to experience next but when I actually listened to it, I actually experienced something very new to me, but still something very vivid and colorful, just like the cover. And 
coming back to it as an adult, it kind of brought me back to those days, but I can now appreciate the memories that I was able to have with this album, as well as how valuable it was through its sonic abilities, as well as the, the, the lyrics. And in some cases, like just the different, different vibes that's just brought to this album. And, um, yeah, like this was you chose a really good one this week because like I wasn't you hit me with left field with this shit like I wasn't expecting this, but like going back to it, it made me ponder more about like shit, man, what direction like Frank Ocean goes like each album and 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 how he progresses through his career and so much mystique behind him and like it's just. It's crazy, but yeah, this this was a really good pick, and I'm excited to like continue to talk about this as we go on. So, yeah, yeah, man. Um, I was probably gonna save some of this for the end, but um, one thing that he says, and I was reading some of his articles leading up to this and getting prepped for it. And one thing he said was he quoted Clive Davis when Clive Davis says, "There isn't like a certain type of music. There are only two types of music: good music and bad music." And when you listen to his projects he really finds a way to mesh all of his influences, but he does it in a way where it does not come off as where he's like copying or he is trying to force a sound or something that he didn't. These are, you can tell these songs were really influential to him for several different reasons. And listening to them now, you can see that um, it really helped him it really helped him create his own distinct sound. So you got like alternative rock sound influences. You got like Prince in the eighties and David Bowie. And then you got stuff way back in the seventies with the Eagles. And then you have like, you know, um, what's it called? Chris Martin and Coldplay. Like the influences is really there and it, it's, it, it punches through without coming off really cheesy. So. Um, I saw that I saw this album was released on the time frame. This episode is coming out. Mm. And honestly, I was like, man, like we haven't done anything really left field in a minute. Um, yeah. Probably since No Worries. Yeah. So I, or I or was, uh, Awaken My Love. Oh, Awaken My Love. Yep, 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 absolutely. So I felt like it was time to switch it up. Sometimes we get a little rap heavy. And I don't want us to be pigeonholes where we only talk about rap because this is a music podcast. So. Yeah, don't put us in no box. We ain't, we ain't like we black people. We you don't put us in boxes and shit. Also, shout out to uh, our guests. Um, it was Riri. I appreciate you for reaching out, and don't worry, we got something else for you down the tank. So like, we're definitely keeping touch as we go. Um, this part, what I whatever I say, hopefully is good. This is for you because you definitely wanted to pull up. And you're like, yeah, yeah, we're going to get that shit bracking. But, yeah, shout out to you, Riri. Keep doing your thing at The Athletic. Um, I read all of your work. Appreciate everything you do. Let's get the shit started. With that, I think this is my pick. I get to pick first. Yeah. Man, that's tough. There's so many things I like about this album that's just outside of the song, the sequences. The It's, it's hard to pick one song. I really, I'm not even, like, making this shit up. I really like every song on here. So many um, members. Yeah, man. Yeah, like, and then even like, you know, I haven't sat with this album in a minute, 
So, you know, I remember when it first came out, I was bumping. And, you know, I wasn't a big R&B person. Like, this made me start listening to more alternative stuff. I mean, I like beforehand. I like, like, earlier punk rock stuff. I like the Fallout Boys of the early 2000s and shit like that. But I kind of fell off and went into more of my rat bag. So when this came out, I started listening to, you know, MGMT a little bit more, a little bit more Coplex. And I started visiting Tom York and visiting Raider because these are some people that he would sample. But my 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 song that sticks out to me, because I loved it then and I love it now for several reasons, was the song um, There Will Be Tears. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Starting off heavy, right? Um, the song it samples Mr. Hudson's song, the, the same title, There Will Be Tears. The beginning part is like the exact same intro, but and then you know, there's one part where they both are singing together in a sense, but it's really like it's really like a sample. I don't think you did it together. Yeah. It's kind of dope though, because this song sounds like one of the songs that Kanye used or sampled was using around that uh, my, my dark twisted fantasy song. Yes, in a lot of ways, I feel like this album. Was not an extension because that's corny, but definitely influenced sonically with what Kanye was doing on a larger scale with like pushing music into another way. So listening to this, I think it was like another person that was like, "Well, let's continue pushing it, but in a different way." Because Frank Ocean's songwriting ability is so intelligent. It's so it's it's, it's like yo, you'd be listening to it, you'd be like, yo, you just be singing that shit, and you'd be like, wait, what did he just say? Mm-hmm. Um, so this this song is about um, it's about fatherhood. That's what I got from it. Because mm-hmm. the, the first verse he saw my grand. Dream, dream, dream. I still dream. My granddaddy was a player. about his grandfather because if, if you know about him his 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 dad wasn't around so his father was his grandfather excuse me was his father figure um and it's a short song it's only one verse and, and you know and then the rest is just like elongated hooks and stuff like that but that one verse and then the song the way the song comes out but the first the first part of the verse was talking about his granddaddy um and then at the end of that same verse he says you know can't let them see me crying because these boys ain't got no fathers neither and they and they weren't crying my friend said it ain't so bad you can't miss what you ain't had well i said i'm sad right. and yeah. and then it goes back into the hook there will be tears i have no doubt there will be smiles but a few and then those tears will run out you will be numb and blue man 
such a powerful song, man. Like, um, and even though it's very short and concise, and I think Frank is able to, with the with the way he lays out his song structure, with the long hooks and you know the the very purposeful and very intelligent um, and concise lyrics, he's able to really just like, get across his point. I mean, I got to listen to it three and four times to really get a full understanding because you'd be so caught up in the melody. You don't really catch on to the fact that he's telling about something that's so like tight and vulnerable, such as like miss not having his father or, you know, losing his grandfather, but it's a powerful song for me several ways. My grandfather passed um, a few years before this song had came out. So hearing this was like, man, this is for me. That was like, that was deep. Um, and then a few years later, I would be a dad. So, yeah, man, this is uh, probably one of my favorite Frank Ocean songs. Period. Just mm-hmm. from like my connection to the lyrics yeah. and the way that the 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 way that the the the, the song, how sonically the song is. But yeah, yeah great song. I love this song. Um, I I definitely had a hard time choosing this out of some of the uh, some of the songs that I chose. But I love the way that like this song kind of switches up with his production. So like, like mm-hmm. you said, it uses the Mr. Hudson sample in the beginning, which definitely like, that was the first thing even to this day that I recognized like that beginning, how the auto tune is used. And it made you feel like, like this is a Kanye West track that was just kind of like off held off the menu. But then all of a sudden you don't hear Kanye, you hear Frank. And like the message of it related to me because like, my family has it. I'm not going to throw dirt on my family, but we got a certain history that, that, that I, I, I know of, and I'm a part of that. So like, like it really hit me very hard because like the people that I grew up with, of course I had a dad luckily, but like just being able to be raised and still inheriting both the weaknesses and strengths that he had while also developing my own. That's what I got from this album. or this song excuse me and like the feeling of having that and how like some of those strengths and weaknesses in some ways causes me to be emotional and how people don't really understand that but i do and i have to do feel i have to feel those emotions in order for me to like be a hundred percent because if i'm not like at a hundred percent and i'm trying to bury shit that's way more terrible than actually being able to show these emotions so I thought like this this song was very, very good and like really touched my soul when I was in emotional moments or just like listening to it like like this week, like how I interviewed, I mean interviewed it, but reviewed it. So <laughs> Yeah, man, this this is one of those songs that oh, um I think Frank is I'm gonna keep talking about this, man, but I, I think Frank ability is just be succinct and his pen game is like superb as i mean that's probably why he was a really good songwriter before he started putting out his own music just because his ability to you know write these songs in certain ways where he was able to just be just deadly with the pen game and his pen game is next to none um i think also i think that i also think about stuff like this is his ability this is one of the songs I think is really dope and probably like the flow of the album probably makes it flow so well mm-hmm. is his ability to be very vivid with his songs. 
Um, he says it. Oh, he says it in Novocaine. Says it a couple times. He even like had like small samples. Like he had like the throughout the throughout the project. He had like, the little tape flipped over and rewind, and he named those songs video games, which is kind of dope. Because it's about like you know nostalgia, so things that bring nostalgia so is pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's just very vivid. So he says like I'm Stanley Kubrick. He says that in Novocaine. I'm Stanley Kubrick. Like I'm very vivid, and he sampled certain things. So. That's what I, I give him credit for that man because yeah. it's just it's just super vivid and a certain the, him his ability to paint these pictures in a certain way it, it allows the listeners to attach like how does that relate to my life and then start bringing up things like you mentioned about your own personal situation mm-hmm. and I think that's the dope part about music is that when it's done at this had such a high level such as this you become attached to it because you are able to relate to it yeah that's how a lot of moments from this album it felt, it felt like and it's funny that he mentioned that in his in the in the song because like his music always felt like stanley uh cubic or cubic films you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like they always like even though you're listening to it it felt like that because he was always able to like paint this picture for you i think that's something that makes frank ocean special as a singer as well like aside from him being able to sing Aside from him being able to rap, aside from him being able to find really good production from different genres and be able to make really good ass music, liquid gold in my in some cases. Mm-hmm. But it's also the fact that he can paint pictures with the words that he says, and like I feel like that is the one of the most important things because even when he showed up on um, Magna Carta Holy Grail. I forgot for which the I forgot the name of the song. Of course, niggas ain't good with names, but <laughs> when he was on that hook, like he was still like painting this picture for you and giving you this scene. But instead of him doing it with his own music, it's actually with Jay Z. Jay Z is coming in and kind of supplying you with everything. But those hooks, they were very vivid, and I was still able to like kind of remember that as a gem from him. So like he's always been able to do that and like. He was able to do that in this song, so yeah, it was an amazing song. Oh my gosh! What about you? What do you got? What's, what's your, I gotta go with Love Crimes. One? I gotta go with Love Crimes. Yo, I was just about to pick this one. I had it up, in, I had it up here. I was just playing it while you was talking. That's that's off the buck. You feel me? Now, granted, that wasn't the first song that I like, but when I started like when I started smoking and like kicking it with people in the room and shit. And like this album, or this, yeah, this album was in rotation, and this shit was bumping with the speakers. Oh my god! Like the whole apartment would just be jamming to that shit. My gosh, mm-hmm. yes. Like Love Crimes is fire, and like it's very simple, but pretty fucking dark. Like mm-hmm. saying that he only has one more bullet in his nine, gonna do a love crime. <laughs> he 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 wants to be the girl's baby daddy. But he also thinks that that is also a love crime because we God knows what he's going to do. You know, especially the fact that he also has a bullet and um, a nine. No, no, no. Terrible situation, man. But the song just bumps, man. And it's one of the bangers off of the uh, of the album. And when I mean banger, I mean, in a sense, like you could play this shit at a club and it's probably going to get some dance. Yeah. Know? But you got to be once again. You have to be very creative with it because, of course, the BPM is a little bit slower, 
but if you speed it up a little bit and you get it mixing in with some other good tracks, like you could, you could definitely get some grooves in with this shit. And I think that because it was on this mixtape and this mix, like this mixtape is so hard to find now. Like you pull this shit out and people realize it's Frank Ocean. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're going, you're going to get some looks, but there's going to be some good looks. But I really fucks with Love Crime. It's one of my favorite songs. Um, off of this project, um, hands down, hands down, my God. <laughs> crazy. I plead insanity, crazy for you, baby. song man for so many reasons i think um i think the way that he included the the um the skit from um eyes wide shut at the end was really creative and how it it played in the background so it kind of like eased its way in so you kind of didn't even notice it was a part of like something else until you listen to it and you're like oh snap it's from a different movie yeah um and it just kind of adds to the imagery of it i was actually reading one of the interviews that he did for after this release, um, he said he used that because the song needed a he wanted this the song needed a feminine uh presence, yeah, because the song is very dark, yeah, about um how you can be so angry at someone over in a relationship, and how it can lead you to you to, to be outside of yourself and it leads you to be something that you're not and mm. make you very upset and drives you crazy because a relationship can do that to you. So he was saying love crimes and um, yeah, man, it was uh, also the hook is very, the verse of it, I guess you would say it's only a one verse song. Yeah. Oh, two, two, verses, verse. two verses, two verses. Two I'm verse, sorry. Two, two verses. verses. Yeah, 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 two yeah. verses. The first one is about the gun and the yeah. second one is about being the baby daddy. Correct. Which is crazy because he's like, the first verse kind of shows you that he's pretty dangerous. And then the second one is about having a long-term effect with a dangerous man like this. And because you're in love with this person, you're more willing to do it than you are than if you were just dating him up. Like, you were just mm-hmm. like, all right, I'm just messing around with you. But, like, it's crazy. Like, this song was this song was just so, so wild, but still aesthetic, because 
there's there's relationships like this. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I'm gonna just keep it at that. <laughs> yeah, man. Frank was uh definitely going through some shit with this album, and he definitely yeah. with this project. And he definitely talked about it a lot. Um, he said it was a particular relationship that influenced some of the songs, mm. um, but it, it wasn't the only one, and only influence, but it did influence a, a majority of the project. And that's why you hear songs like no, "Swim Good." "Swim Good" sounds like it's a good, happy song, but that is not a that is not a good and happy song. Yeah. Uh, if you if you know what he's talking about, and then it's another version like "Love Crimes," is kind of essentially what it's a. The hook gives it away, you know. Yeah. I love it when a song coming on in that. This like it sounds, it sounds very Kanye inspired. Like that sounded a little eight oh eights and heartbreakish. Yeah. When I, when this first started like that particular love crime song, yeah. I'm gonna go back and play eight oh eights and heartbreak and talk and yeah. listen to that. Um, because it. Go ahead. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I. Yeah. I, I know what you were about to say, and I completely agree. This definitely has 808 to Heartbreak vibes. Completely. Mm-hmm. Like, like even though he goes outside of the room with, like, Strawberry Swing. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure. But, like, even though he goes off the room with that song, like, it still has that, it still has that atmospheric vibe that you would expect in a Kanye West album. You know, and I, of course, this was, you know, you could kind of see that he was an influence or more specifically 808s and heartbreaks. But I like the fact that, like, he was able to kind of move that into a more hip hop like production with Love Crimes. Also, the Eyes Wide Shut clip is the only sample in that song. So that song is specifically uh, a beat made by the uh, the producer. I think it's me. Ooh, I'm not going to say Midi Mafia. I don't know who that was. I didn't know that. I didn't know that that wasn't the um only sample. That's dope. Troy Noka. Yeah, it's Troy Noka. Troy Noka was all over this. I, I wonder what else he's worked on because he he had his hands all over this project. Hmm. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, Does. he was all over this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it my turn? Yeah, it shows up. Oh, uh, songs for women. <laughs> When I was younger, I used to wonder, like, if I was singing songs, just to sing the songs, if I was singing cuz, that's what the bitches wanted. I couldn't play guitar like Van Halen, had no secret chords like St. David, but you still came around, ate your lunch with me, used to park your car to try the bus with me, but I would say, girl, don't be dumb, I'm riding shotgun. We could go to my house after school, after school, after don't clap off too late, off too late, off too late. We could kick it in the living room, looking through my whole vinyl collection. And you could teach me how to slow dance or something. And I'ma give you chills, harmonizing the oldest. I sleep up, and every time somebody asks me if I sing songs to get at women, I say, Yeah, they say, No fair, no fair, but she I say, Shit, oh well, oh well. And every time a nigga asks me, I sing songs to get at women. I say, yeah, see, no fair, no fair machine. I say, boy, don't judge. You know how many guys wish they could sing? Yes, uh, yes, I, I, I go ahead, go ahead. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, you, do you know how many guys wish they could sing? Yes. They, they can sing to a woman. What? I wish I could sing. Yes. I'm singing to my wife every night, but I can't. Yes. So I'll be here butchering this stuff in the shower. Um, I think it was kind of cool in the second verse, and he was like, uh, not in the lab or can't like da da da. But she banging Drake in my car. I'm so far gone. She stayed blasting Trey and his songs all damn day long. So it was like, man, I I I I, I want her to like me because I can sing. I want her to like me for whatever, whatever. But she's listening to all these other R and B guys and all these other people, and I can sing, but she's not taking me serious. Um, so he was like. I don't know. I took it as he was trying to like and uh, get the, this woman to, I guess, have faith in his ability to make songs and like his music yeah. the way that, like his talents rather, the same way that she would like other people's talents. And I, I thought that was really dope. Pretty vulnerable because I'm sure stuff did probably happen before. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think also the the Drake reference is, is really cool because I don't want to go too far into the Drake bag. I know I do hope that we get to cover him more here to really dissect Drake. Um, but I do think Kanye gets a lot of props for pushing the genre and doing all this cool stuff with music. I think Drake has also helped with some of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with like the vulnerability in your music, the sounds of music, mm-hmm. the the sampling, the um, you can make a hit record and have fun, but then also you can go on the next record and be a little bit more open and focused. Yeah. Um, How he's you know. been able to adapt to like the streaming age and then Correct. also from because like, you originally went from the, the beginning of the blog era mm-hmm. all the way to the new streaming era and now the TikTok era with the Tootsie Slide. Like mm-hmm. Drake and like music tech alone is something that's. That's oddly interesting to get into, you know? Yeah, man. Um, so I, I think that's really cool. And I think it's cool that he also mentioned Trey songs because before Frank, I think Trey was supposed to be the next guy out. Yeah. Um, he was also he was also backed by the label, and Frank really wasn't. We'll probably touching that a little bit more at the end, how he has issued with how the record label came up. But I think the record label thing is very interesting. And he mentioned Trey. Because yeah. I think before Frank was Frank, the the way that R&B was looking was... There was that either, one person on top. It was kind of like that one person on top, you know? Like, you had Trey for a year, and the following year, you probably have somebody like Chris Brown and then someone. And then people will pop up. People like uh, The Dream will come out and give you a great body of work and a couple yeah. hit records. But then he was a big songwriter, so then he kind of like fade off a little bit. Yeah, um, he'll come back out. Yeah, and and um, that's what his more his 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 speed. I think he's one of the best R and B writers, but he wasn't in the forefront of stuff, kind of like a Trey or Chris Brown. And I think it's really interesting because before Neo was out there doing some stuff, but it's it a little different. But the thing, oh, the, yeah. thing the thing interesting about Frank was Frank was in those circles. Because Frank was also a songwriter. So yep. Frank, just like Dream, just like Neo, like some other guys, that they were behind the scenes before they blew up, before they blew up in front of the, the front of the, um, the microphone, I guess you could say. So it was very interesting that he also was in that space of 
I'm a songwriter, but now I'm trying to get in front and actually put on my own music, tell my own stories. Um, I thought it was kind of cool. I like this song for so many different reasons, and it was a great, and it definitely was a a mood change to a somewhat kind of dark album. Yeah. The first reason I like this song is because, um, well, coming back to it now, because this, this song didn't come out the time this, this project came out. But um, looking back at it, the first reason why I like this song is because the the tempo and the the melody of the song reminds me of um, one of the songs off of Solange's 2016 project, um, um, A Seat at the Table. Um, shit, I forgot the name of the title because you know I'm not I'm terrible with names, but it starts out with saying happy, yeah, and like the the, I don't the know melody. That song. You said what? I don't know. I can't. I, I know what you're talking about, but I can't think of the title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's fucking dope, and it just reminded me of that because it was very, like the like the tone was very up, like not uplifting, but it was very floaty, very wavy, very casual. It felt like I was. It it felt like some music you will hear at like a party or some shit like that. But like a party when it's on on the come up. You know what I'm saying? And like to as a person that actually knows how to sing uh, and have used it to pull women before this song really hit close to home. But what doesn't hit close to home is the way that this day, <laughs> this story kind of end out because like she left him in the end. Right. Like at the end, his heart is broken, but he's still singing. And it's like you still got the ability. You still got the talent. You knew this girl was like interested in other artists. Like she was listening to other people, even though you could still sing. And like for you to get your heart broken, it's just it kind of it kind of leaves you with a very very darker tone at the end. And I appreciate that, but like the journey through it is just so good. And like the chorus is good as well. And also, it just continues to support the fact that. Frank Ocean is very visceral with his storytelling throughout each song. And that's something that I like about this song with it. He was able to kind of use something that I was able to relate to in order for him to tell this story, even though he ends up getting his heart broken in the end. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, this is this is one of my favorite songs. Um, I also feel like I also feel like Frank Ocean. And a lot of those younger songwriters don't get the respect as songwriters. Like when they go solo, when we actually see their faces and stuff, of course they're going to get the love, you know, and respect that they deserve. Like when Neo started showing his face, even though he was writing for like Beyonce for like a while, like when he started showing his face and making music, that's when he started to get the attention. But like, like I really, it's, I will, it's interesting to see like the perspective of a songwriter and to see how like they'll write these songs that might even relate to their life, and then somebody else it uses it and it becomes like a fucking hit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like even with something as like, like you can even bring it down to rap when it comes to Lil Lil Yachty writing for like City Girls. I'm interested in seeing what inspired him to write that verse, but like I'm you know like it's a it's another dynamic when you're a songwriter compared to you actually being a person in the studio. You're just in the shadows. You're not in front of the spotlight. Go on. <laughs> right. No, you're right. You're right, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that sometimes that's one of the challenges that songwriters have is that sometimes 
songwriters are i'm assuming they get frustrated because the song the artist doesn't do the song the way they want the song to be done in their head but sometimes the artist it has the superstar or whatever that current quality is that deems them able to have a certain song i think it's a very interesting dynamic i will say um frank ability to step away from songwriting in a sense kind of after this has been very interesting because i wonder how has that changed his like his I feel like all artists have to express their art. And I, I'm curious as to see how he processes it now that it's only his songs he's putting out. Um, it's something, something that's interesting to me. Does that mean it's like a treasure trove of Frank Ocean songs sitting somewhere that won't get released? No. I don't know, but I think it's very interesting. Yeah, very interesting indeed. Yeah, uh, my turn, right? Oh, Ooh. I knew. I think you got the last one. I did that one. Oh, bet. Damn, I did songs one. My fault, my fault, my fault, my fault. Damn, I'm tripping. Oh my God. I'm trying to be nice at these things. Like, I, I, sometimes I sound rude when I don't want to sound rude. God nah, damn. you good. I'm tripping. I was tripping. You good. <laughs> um, Let's see. Uh, We got we got Nature Feels. Ooh, right. so, I like that. This was the first song that I heard from Frank Ocean. I, I Granted, I kind of, the first time I saw this album, this was at like two in the morning. I didn't think I was going to be ready for this shit. I was like, listen, I already listened to Tyler. Like, and this is when Bastard came out. And then I also mm. listened to Earl when Earl came out. And I was already traumatized by what the fuck I heard from it. Even though they had good shit, it was very out there, you know? Mm. And like, it was it was very hard for me to like this music that was like really out there with the lyrical content because some of the worst songs would sound the sound the best and not only would it sound the best like when you have conversations with other people about the song they'll agree with you and other people will look at you crazy like like you you're talking about some dirty shit but like when i came back to it this was actually the first song that i heard and this one made me interested in the entire project. And coming back to it now, while also listening to the other songs that either sampled, remixed, uh, uh, MG, MGM, ah, MGNT? Is that the group? All right, cool. <laughs> like, just being able to go back and listen to, like, this song after hearing like the entire like the 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 whole wave of songs that use electric fields um it's it's really good i think this is probably the best one to be um because not only is it different because he switches it up he switches it up from electric field to nature fields but then he gets very graphic with the idea of fornicating in a garden <laughs> in dirt and Bringing it to to, to, to caveman terms, it's, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's very crazy, which is something that I, I see from Frank Ocean when it comes to him being in Our Future, because Our Future was already a crazy collective. But Frank Ocean's music was much more peaceful, but it had that raw term throughout him making these images in your head through his music. And this one was just another version of it. It sounds very good, but goddamn, like sometimes when you re-listen to the lyrics, it just gives you chills. It's just like, oh, okay, all right, all right, take a shower. <laughs> Hi, 
Stanley Kubrick, very visit, very visual with his imagery. Because uh, he started talking, I'm like, damn, nature feels. Then Adam and Eve, I'm like, oh shit, I can see all this shit. And then the garden and Eden, I'm like, oh shit, Frank is uh, telling the story, bro. That shit is yeah. this is just tough. I right? was able to. I I thought I was assuming it was taking from like his first time, and he was telling that story. It was kind of dope. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. This is a this is a great way to end the song. Yeah. Definitely an energy switch because the song was, like I said, it was very dark moments throughout the album. So I think songs like this kind of show his other side that you might hear on um, different songs that he would make um, in the future. Yeah. I, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I did. I thought it was a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever seen the movie Midsummer? Nah, but I heard about it. This is just to make you think. I know what it's about. Yeah, yeah. This, this, like the 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 imagery that Frank was giving me, it reminded me of that. Even though that movie is much more crazier, and it's a horror movie, so be aware. But but like the the colors and like the the way that the ground is and like the 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 landscaping of it, it def this song definitely reminded me of that. And then the way that they also, the way that he also, you know, did a cover of MGMC, a group that has that 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 weirdness and darkness attached to like their brand, I think that that movie is something that kind of plays in my head whenever I listen to this song now, because I mm. I saw Midsummer I saw Midsummer two years ago, 2019, and I was creeped the fuck out. I was like, oh, this is. This is pretty, but this is weird. <laughs> this is really weird. I heard. Like, what I heard. Some, I saw. I heard it described as. I heard it described that same way. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very weird. But I would say, if you're into like independent, because I'm into horror movies. So like, if you're into independent horror movies, like that, that would be the shit for you because the eeriness and the colors and how beautiful it looks, but the the darkness also matches its beauty. It's it's weird. It's like it reminds me of movies like um like Black Swan. Mm. But that's a whole nother that's a whole nother level. But like the visuals being used for Black Swan, like I like movies that can actually use visuals to kind of like scare you or give you a certain mental state or even paint pictures. And I feel like just like how those movies do that, um Frank Ocean was definitely able to do it with this down. 
So yeah, this was a good pick. Yeah, I just I had I, well, I'm, I'm saying shit. I picked this shit. Yeah, this was a good song. <laughs> that, that's why I'm not surprised that he made a visual album. Yeah, um, endless. I'm not surprised. Like his music is very like clear, like that, man. Like he's he's able to tell those stories, man. And you can as an, as, a, as a song listener, you listen to the song, you start picturing it your own way. I think it's really dope. Yeah. So I'm, I'm I won't be surprised if we do more. I would be if Frank made a film about his music, like a next project is like a, like a film only, and some like creative way of releasing it. I would not be surprised because that's how his songs reads, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Also, it's funny that you mentioned Endless too because that was the album that he got out of Def Jam with. Oh yeah, that is. We gotta talk about that too. We gotta talk about the record label stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, yes. I feel like I saw some parallels to him and Lauren Hill, who we talked about last week. Yeah. Yeah. Um Just We like all try. That's my next one. Ooh. Dang, that's one that Riri like too. Oh but man, I love this song, man. This song is so good. Um it's deep, man. He 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 He's challenging because you know he's Jehovah Witness. If I'm not mistaken. I think I read that really? somewhere beforehand. I believe he was raised Jehovah Witness. If I'm not mistaken. Okay. Okay. He says it in the beginning of the song. I believe Jehovah. I believe Jehovah. It's Jara, God. So um I think that is what he is. I think that's what he was raised as, at least. Um, I feel like this this song was him saying, like, where we all try to be good humans like i think at the end of the song he says i still believe in man a wise one asked me why because i don't believe we are wicked so it was, i think he was saying like um you know kind of to what kendrick was saying how someone on on damn when someone was saying on here on one of the, one of the um his cousin who's a hebrew israelite said that they were, were cursed um and at the end of the song, the end of the album, on the last song, Kendrick says he don't believe we are cursed. He believed that decisions that we make is uh, feeds into our um, past that we take, whatever stuff like that. So this one, he's I feel like Frank is saying like we we all try. Like he says, I believe there's heaven. I believe in war, you know. And then he says, you know, he believes in the um, the woman's right to choose even though I don't want, I don't, you shouldn't abort, but he believes. So I think he's saying like, I believe in this, but this is what I also believe. So I, I think it was very interesting for him to toe that line in the sense of this is what I believe. And I don't believe in some of the cynicism that comes with it. And I'm more optimistic or hopeful for humans. You know, he, he talks about, um, he believed that love is love and it's not between just a man and a woman. Um, I believe, gotta believe in something, something, something. And I, to me, at the time, I was like, man, this is a really dope song. It's um, well put together. It's, it's, me and my wife talk about this all the time, right? Like all the time. Today, matter of fact, we're talking about this. A lot of R&B is just sex, right? That's true. And sometimes it's refreshing to you hear. It's like when you listen to rap and they only rap about sex and like money and girls and it's like yo i get it that's cool i'm not knocking you but sometimes you want to hear the emotions that come with life um and i think i applaud frank for being 
one of the artists who pushes that to think like, how do we expand subject matter? How do we be a bit more open about ourselves? How do we, you know, touch on subjects about things that are outside of the, the normal topics that we talk about? And how do we put into music some of the things that are in us that's going on in our head? There's hard conversations, but I got to put it out there to get it off my chest. Um, and that's what I love about how Frank does with his music. You know, he does it on um, Channel Orange, a certain thing that he talks about on Channel Orange that comes up and he, he pushes that envelopes and talks about certain things. But yeah, the, one of the things I like about Frank in general and a lot of like, I don't like the traditional R&B is 13 songs of sex. Like, bro, okay, I can't do this shit, bro. Like, all right, bro, I, I get it. That's actually one reason why I had to stop for in and, and this funny that you mentioned Trey songs. Be, first things first, I really hope that he's okay. But second thing, we I actually met Trey Songs. <laughs> and also like my uh well the the last guest that we brought on, Nimbus, like her sister said some shit about Trey Songs. <laughs> that is who that was hilarious. But I'll tell you that after the show. But like um, yeah, just like man just just like he's just able to really really paint pictures and shit and just be able to provide a certain type of commentary i also like the fact that like he's able to give you like you said like like parallel like opinions so like if somebody really fucks with him like he might say something that you might agree with but then he might say something that you might not agree with and then kind of throw you off like that so like yeah I, I really thought this was a shining gem and then also this was a song that i heard like so many times because nimbus liked this song uh when we were uh, living in the same house she was playing this shit all the time i guess i'm just inspired to tell stories and you, you got to make sure the listener is listening to you and so if you put it in the form of a song oftentimes if the you know if the song is striking enough then you can really deliver the story you know, most effectively while keeping the ear of the listener the whole time. So, you know, I guess it all starts with the stories for me. Yeah, man, it's, it's a beautiful song. And um, I, I, I enjoy the optimism that he gives off with it. And he talked about, you know, challenging things in the record. And I, I personally would like to see more artists to do things like that just to expand what we think of them and expand our ability to relate. I'm be so honest, I can't relate to a lot of the artists, bro, because I don't think about sex 24-7. No, not at all. You know? No. And I, and honestly, they don't either. I know they no. don't do that. I, no. Like, it's impossible. But they're trying to appeal, trying to do the shock value. They're trying to sell records because for eternity, sex has sold, and we understand it's how that's the world we live in. I get it. Yeah. But man, like, man, come on, yo, nah. like, like I'll say this, like when Trey, like, and back to the whole Trey Songs thing, because I kind of got off guard. Uh, when it comes to Trey Songs, Ready, Ready was dope because the way that he was able to provide the same shit was was good, and it was diverse. He was able to at least have a party song in it to throw people off. But like the album after that that came out, it was just mainly about sex, and it was like. I mean, of course, people on campus gonna fuck with this shit, but this shit kind of weak, you know what I'm saying, compared to, like, his last shit, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like if you try to use that as, like, the main crutch, sure, it's gonna bring people over because you're mainly talking about sex, 
but it's not going to be valuable. It's not going to be like, I mean, it could be timeless music, but shit, it doesn't, it won't grab you in a sense like some other songs might grab you. You know what I'm saying? Because some songs that might not be about a very good relationship can also be something that grabs you when you're with somebody else, surprisingly enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just the quality of it being made. And if you continuously talk about the same shit, like fucking, like like the money you have, like, oh, like, you know, it just, it just, it gets boring. Like, that shit gets weak. You know what I'm saying? No matter if your beats hit or not, you know what I'm saying? I mean, no, I I, I agree. Um, and I think the thing that that's crazy to me is um what was about to say, when they do try to like when, when Trey songs try to do, you know, the Black Lives Matter songs and shit like that, it feels so foreign to them because they haven't worked that, they haven't worked on that part of their that tool in their, their tool set you know if frank was to make a song about race or any subject that affects black like black life in general it would feel more relatable because he has that in his tool chest yeah. um and as a fan I, I will i will understand his perspective and listen to him and it wouldn't be cast a doubt yeah frank ocean not Trey song did that black lives matter song bro and that shit was weak you just I'm just finding this out right now and I'm already trying to duck and dodge from this shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah, no offense right <laughs> nah, I mean no offense with all, all that other stuff, but my thing is just like as fans of the music, I enjoy their and then that's cool. You don't have to. I can skip and listen to somebody else. Yeah. But I, I applaud Frank's ability and his effort to try to like work on that. Yeah, he's always been somebody that was diverse. At some, he's always been somebody that's diverse in sound and in the content that he gives you. Even mm-hmm. with like the the mixtapes that come out or the things that come out with those albums. So like, remember when Blonde came out and they had like the whole magazine and stuff that yep. followed up with it. Like his presentation has always been like top notch, and that's something that I've always been able to like really fuck with Frank Ocean outside of like the, the diverse array of music. Like each album that he makes is completely different. Like each, you can't compare each album. To, like you might be able to because mainly it's Frank Ocean, but the sound of each album is so left field that they feel like they're their own different, you know, like, like project, you know what I'm saying? Like their own separate project by somebody that sounds the same as the other person from the next project. Like, he's so diverse with his music, and I really fuck with that. Even with the new music that we've been getting, getting. and the fact that he's been going to uh, his 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 original home to actually get inspiration, and we started mm-hmm. seeing that bounce shit come out. Psh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now we're going to experience a whole different Frank Ocean. We don't even know what yeah. the fuck we're going to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, you're right. You, uh, I think you're next up. Shit. Um, oh, damn. Yeah, you chose uh, We All Try. And you took songs for women. So I guess mm. I'm going to just go ahead and make uh, make the uh, the choice Novocaine. You know mm. what I'm saying? Um, definitely a uh, definitely a classic song and an essential Frank Ocean song. Hands down. Sure, um, sure. Something that Nimbus played a lot uh something that i played a lot uh definitely gave me 2000 neo soul vibes 
um the beat was very simple but still like up upbeatish and then it always it also had that ten thousands aesthetic to it you know um something that you would hear from like a um oh my god what's his name um Oh, he's going. Uh, he he was doing work with Fabulous. He went to Harvard. Oh Harvard. my gosh, it's a producer that went to Harvard. Um, he worked with Fabulous. Damn, this is gonna blow me. Oh, less. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he had different vibes that reminded me of a lot of like two thousands R and B, and like I really fucked with that. Um. And even though the, the once again, lyrics a little bit dark, especially the fact that he's smoking some shit that he shouldn't be smoking with somebody that put some shit in there. <laughs> but um, it's also it's also used to help numb the pain. I also like the video. The video was very, very crazy. Um, mm-hmm. But it also helped kind of introduce people to the style of visuals and audio content that frank ocean was actually trying to give you and like it kind of solidified the type of artist that he was even though it in some ways didn't even solidify that like it it kind of lets you know that he was going to give you good music and good visuals but you don't know in what way he was going to give it to you but um definitely novocaine was like a, a gem that kind of hit really hard um in the speakers as well as kind of like brought those old school 2000s R&B type vibes to me. I'm going to go look for that producer, bro, dog, because I know who it is, bro, and it's in the back You mean the guy head. who made this beat? No, no, not the person that made this beat, but um, the, the, the beat it reminded me of or the producer style that it reminded me of. Oh, Ryan Leslie. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There I you go, Ryan I Leslie. You. I was like, bro, this is going to blow the fuck out of me. I know it was Ryan something, but I, I kept thinking of Jack Ryan. I was like, that doesn't make sense. That's not as... <laughs> but yeah, what did you think about uh, Nova Kang? It was a great, it was a great single. Um, I didn't realize until today he was actually talking about like Nova Kang, like a dentist numbing okay like 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 having like a a girl who does porn and dental school and to go to dental school and shit like that i thought that was kind of like and i thought he was like a novocaine talking about the essential like numbing over he was like no i'm really reading the lyrics today and listen to the song like 15 times throughout the week really like solidified that i didn't put two and two together Mm. i love it man uh, actually produced by Tricky Stewart, who was a who worked with the Dream a lot. Some of some hits yeah. on that time, so it's kind of dope that he was able to work with them. Yeah. Um, I did the beat. It's not a lot going on. It's like a repetitive drum pattern. Yep. Um, and then it's just honestly Frank singing. Um, great storytelling. The video was dope. The video was actually was shot dope. in one take. Um, really? Mm-hmm. God damn. Yeah, man. Dope. And I, I think this song. Um, show Frank's ability to make uh, hit songs. And I think that's some some struggle that artists like him like suffer with, especially like in a blog era was how do you still, because he says it a lot like after this, like I remember him tweet, he tweeted it. 
um, that Def Jam wasn't like they shelved him. He was signed Def Jam at the time, and he said that's why I didn't put Def Jam on none of my stuff on like on the on none of the um, the artwork or nothing like that because yeah. he did it all on his own, um, and essentially he like created that buzz to get him out going again. I think that's what kind of led some of his label stuff that we probably can cover at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like, Def Jam wasn't rocking with me, but like, they had him shows for a minute and he's had him like writing songs for like Justin Bieber, John Legend and Brandy and songwriting stuff. But um, I, I like the song for that, for that purpose and the, for that purpose. And this was a song I think that really put like, like, you know, sometimes artists need the confidence boost of people loving your loving your song outside of just like my friends like online and i think this was this was like a on the radio song this was like a big song for him yeah. um and i think def jam went out they re-released it and gave it the the label stuff and put it out there but honestly this was all frank it wasn't a label behind putting stuff together i think i think he saw the blog movement he saw what our future was doing he saw that Tyler was creating his own buzz gen- generically. He had a following on Tumblr that he created on his own. Um, and I think that he just went out and took a bet on himself and it paid off tremendously. And I think yeah. Nova, Kane, Nova Kane helped solidify that because it was a single. Everybody loved it, whether you knew about Frank or you knew about Our Future or you knew yeah. about the blog because it was it it, trans, it, just, it went for, it like it went outside of the blog atmosphere. It became a thing in itself, so. Yeah, I love it. And Great that was song. at a time when people were like wondering, like I remember going to an Odd Future concert. I think I was telling you on one of the episodes in season one about how like Malika was uh was crowd surfing. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you told me that. Yeah. I think I think it was either at that one or at the or at another one where somebody was saying, like, yo, like it'll be cool if like Frank Ocean would just come out of nowhere and shit, because that's that was around the time when his tape mm-hmm. dropped. And like he provided this mysterious aesthetic, but still was able to kind of hold himself on our future. You know what I'm saying? Because even though his music was completely different, our future was at the time very controversial for a lot of the lyrical content. But then we later learned that like they kind of grew out of it to create shit Grammy award winning music now with Igor. Or specifically Tyler. A lot of the other artists also created really good projects as well. So I'm, I'm definitely tooting their horns as well. But like he was able to like really solidify himself as a unique artist from that collective and also create his own aesthetic that matched up to uh, Tyler's absurdity or or Earl's brashness or um, or Domo's uh, like weed smoke rhymes, or or in some cases, oh my god, who's the other dude? Um, uh, Mike G's. Oh, yeah, Mike G, yeah. he was one of the first ones to release. Hell yeah, and Mike G has some bangers too, bro. I'm kind of it kind of sucks to see that like he doesn't get as much attention as like the other because like Mellow Hype still gets some love because they still release projects, or they may uh, they may release projects, or they may actually um. What you call that? Oh my gosh, they might re-release stuff. And then also, I saw like their um their their drum kit being used on Splice, so I know that they're kind of associated with Splice in some way. 
So like they they they're still getting love, but like you don't hear about Mike G like that. The last time I heard about Mike G was a concert he was doing with this other artist named Rakeem Miles, which makes sense because Rakeem Miles is weird too. But like you don't hear much about Mike G like that, and I think that sucks because he also has some really good music as well. But like you hear about Domo, um, you well you don't hear him as much about you know like Tyler the Creator and other artists, but like you hear about these other artists, but. Frank has been doing his own shit, but still been able to like match itself up with our future. And that's always a relationship that I, I thought was very unique because when you listen to their music, even though at the time the content was sort of there, like mm-hmm. it was completely opposite of what our future was providing on the norm. But it still had that dark aesthetic. And when you saw them both go together for, um, for uh, one of the songs off of uh, uh, Goblin, that shit was hard too. So yeah, 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 definitely. Um, this this John was definitely a tough one. Classic song, and also an essential. I think it's your go, man. Um, our future was something. Now this is the last song, right? Uh, I think we on four. Yeah, ain't, ain't that many songs left? Shit. Shit, I know, right? <laughs> my, my, my last song is uh, American Wedding. They don't mean too much. They don't last enough. We had an American wedding. Now it's mine is yours. American can have my Mustang, that's all I've got in my name, but Jesus Christ don't break my heart, this wedding ring won't ever wipe off, but if you stay, oh if you stay, stay, you'll probably leave later anyway, it's love made in the USA, Damn it, you took my song. <laughs> That's my last song. Um, Frank got a lot of trouble for this. The Eagles was being a asshole, not allowing him to be getting want him to perform this song, even though it was a cover. I'm not sure why they gave him so much flack for a, a, a cover, even though they say he changed it, he made it his own and shit like that. Um, it's a great song. Um, I, I felt like it's about like divorce and marriage and making sure you love someone um i i, I it was a great song man. and i like hotel california too i just love the beat um the piano and everything else they got going on just how yeah. stripped down it is and i i don't know man i think he did a phenomenal job this is amazing song that guitar that guitar riff oh yeah oh yeah like that guitar riff in the end, well, before it hits uh, James Fauntleroy, which we do need to talk about. But like, I gotta jump on that guitar riff. That shit was hard, man. And it would, I like the fact that like it continued on and you were still fucking with it. And then it kind of faded out and became one of the tapes and then clicked off. I like the effects. Like, that was one, like, once again, like, it's a, it shows how visceral Frank Ocean can be whether it's him talking about something or using music sonically 
to 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 still play out a scene in in his project. You know what I'm saying? And like he was able to do that with this song. But man, I that was one shining moment for me off of this song. Aside from the fact that he does talk about this wedding that is not going to work at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not gonna work at all. Clearly. Clearly. Clearly not gonna work at all. But he's doing it. But like just just to have that riff to kind of end everything off and wrap everything up before James Fontevoy comes in and kill that shit is also dope. James Fontevoy is fire as fuck too. He is so yeah. he is another songwriter. Yeah, who is very talented, but don't get the respect. Like aside from the neos, aside from um, who are some of the other uh, Trey songs? Like, well, not Trey songs. Neos, uh, people like James Fontaine would be like Jonte Austin, who was yeah. big behind the scenes and never came on the front. Ryan Leslie, in a sense, even though he did yes. put his own music, but it never really caught on like the music that he wrote for other people. It's a bunch of those people who were, but Tricky Stewart, a bunch of people who are behind the scenes. Uh, um, and for whatever reason, never really transitioned to being in front of the scenes. I mean, maybe they didn't want to. Maybe I think it's a, an image thing. Yeah. Maybe they don't have the person. That, I think also being in front of the camera requires a certain personality. personality. Whatever. It could have been a bunch of different factors that led up to it. But James Fontaine is talented as hell. As fuck. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. He's so talented, bro. Yeah. Remember the Cocaine 80s project? Yes, oh sir. He was God. crazy on there. Crazy. crazy. One of yes, my sir. favorite songs is Six Feet Over, and I still play that shit to this day. And then, oh, oh, for many people that don't know, Cocaine 80s is a collaboration between James Fauntleroy, Common, and No ID. Yeah, I might have to play that tomorrow. Oh, yeah. I might have to play that in the group. Oh, yeah. That, 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 was a, that was a fun project. Fun as hell. Yeah. Man. Yeah. yeah. And he, it, they were very short. Like, they were just very short to the point, wrapped up. There you go. All right, send it off. Like I fuck with that. I fuck with the uh James Fontaine so much. So underrated. And then a lot of people don't even know they're listening to him when they hear click. Correct. Because that beginning is James Fontaine. So it's like a lot of people don't know listen to him at all. He be he be on he's been on so many songs. Um and so many like he's been featured in a lot of songs himself too. Yeah. Oh um, I'll go ahead. No, you good. I was gonna say, like, I also noticed you mentioned the dream like a while back too, man. Like the dream also, like you said, he also had a really good run as well um, as both a songwriter and of, of course a musician. That was actually me and my cousin's like favorite album at one point because he, like his, his first project, mm-hmm. the first one that had Shawty Yo 10. Like, of course that's going to be the, the, the main single off of that jump, but like uh, playing in her hair was our shit. That was the shit we were playing like while my cousin was driving a motherfucking car around the city and shit. Like that was the shit back in the day. So like, like we, yo, these songwriters got, I wish these songwriters got more respect, but I can kind of see why they would either um, remain in the shadows or if they do get in front of the spotlight, don't take up as much. Or no, I'm not going to say don't take up as much, but like find a way to hide themselves in plain sight. In order for them to get their music out, but then also kind of not be in the shadows, like Sia. Yeah, that's a good point. Sia definitely does that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, what's your next one? I'm all out. That's those are all my songs. Either you I picked mean, them. I think you got all of my shits too. Like I know I'm. 
probably going to throw in Swim Good for Riri because I know that was one of her favorites. Swim Good is a fire song, even though I didn't know it was about him uh, potentially driving a car into the ocean with a a body in the trunk. The man was going through it, brother. Yeah. Once again, it shows that dark aesthetic that is associated with um, with 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 our future, but it's still sung beautifully. It's just it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Just it just man. I'm not gonna say like this is in my top three because I'm not gonna be able to solidify it as as good as her. But I, I just say that when I was listening to it, it just added on to the atmosphere of the album. Like the production was super good. Frank Ocean's lyrics were once again like very visceral. Mm-hmm. Um and um it just added up to like an album that was already like really good. Like and and kind of remained as dark as it was all throughout. Um but shit man like <laughs> He was definitely some some shit was happening. I mean, of course, the record label, but other shit in his life was happening while he was making this. You could tell that he was hungry while making this album. Um, For sure, one hundred percent. One of the things I wanted to highlight though is how dope was our future, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, they had... I think that's our generation's Wu Tang. I think that's our generation's Wu Tang. Yeah, I mean, man. even though Wu Tang is still around, like I think that's like that's a co- a collective will remember as the future goes on. Because like Tyler is still beasting. You still got music from Mellow Hype or uh, productive kits, production kits. You still got Sid making music. You still got the internet making music. Like like the entire like most of the people in our future are doing their own shit but doing very well at their own shit yeah like the the group broke up which is kind of sucks i kind of wish they still like od man od was crazy yeah yeah like the posse cut like we haven't had a good posse cut in a minute and the fact that yeah. you know frankie frank rapped on there sid didn't rap on there but you know they had you know bad what is it bad the the, the trash whatever the trash people rock joint yeah. They had um, Purple Naked Ladies with uh, the internet. Yep. Sid Prada Solo Project. Mellow yep. Height. Mellow High. Mellow High. Damo. Man, I can't wait to cover. Oh, man. We got to do that big joint. tape, bro. No, no idols. idols. Yes. Bro, I thought Damo was going to be out of here. I knew out that. Here. I didn't. I didn't think. He, I, I didn't want. I'll say this because I don't want to be negative. I wanted him to succeed, but it was going to be difficult to separate himself image-wise. And when I say that, like, when he was making music, he was associated with more of the weed. Like, he had rolling papers that came out. So, like, he was more of, like, the currency type of rapper. And when he started creating his own type of music, it was different from that. And I think in some way that may have threw a lot of people off, especially with No Idols, because No Idols was hard as fuck and one of the best projects that he's made. But Mm -hmm. it also threw people off because, like, this is also the same person that made Rolling Papers. 
You know what I'm saying? And I, I think pre- people put him in a certain box before he was able to actually blossom. So even though that's a classic, I had a feeling that Damo wasn't going to go as far as like Sid or like Earl because I think people already put him in a box before he was able to really show you who he was. Because when you look at the, like the project that he made after No Idols, it was really good. And like for some reason, I heard that shit was shelved. Even in George, that he he did a project with like Evidence, some other stuff. Like he's put out some good stuff since he's left uh, yeah. Future, but it hasn't really caught on for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I thought he was gonna take the Freddie Gibbs. I think he still can. He's only he's young. He's not that old. He can he still can, and there's possibilities there. Um, I, I really thought he was going to take that approach. Um, uh, I think the the internet, the album they put out, what was it called? A few, a few years ago with the white background. Um, oh my God. I know exactly what you're talking about, but I forgot. Feel, is it feel good? Nah, 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 nah. That one was a little bit. That, I think that was the one after Swing. No, that's one good. Uh, I think that was the one after Purple Naked Ladies. No, the one last year, Hive Mind. Okay, okay. Hive Mind. That's the one they had the single when they got nominated for a Grammy and stuff like that. Okay, like all cool. of them, like every, like all the people who stuck with it and made the most of it, they went to another label. Like Earl got signed, Tyler got signed. Um, I think Haji kind of like fell off. He kind of does his own thing. He's kind of come back, yeah. coming back on. Um, the internet got signed. Um, who else? Um, whatever. Frank clearly became oh, yeah. Frank. Um, yeah. the, Taco. the crazy Taco was a, he did really good in Dave, man. Yep, do you yeah, watch he Dave? Yeah, he did really good, yeah. really good job. Yeah, and he did really good. Jasper still doing like Jasper, I think he's doing like TV shows or whatever, like he's doing like. On either online shows or TV shows. That was the last time I seen them. And then you still got collaborations that Tyler do that affects like 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 companies and shit. And then you also see like the Golf Channel and like Golf Magazine. Like, yo, like like these cats are doing a lot of shit. You know what I'm saying? And they're they're still going to this day. Like they've evolved in certain ways and they're all kind of separate, but like like it that that collective alone really took a lot of careers off. I think that was inevitable. I think the growth part, like all of their sounds have evolved and I'm happy that's naturally um, supposed to happen. I do wish they was able to still find ways to still collaborate. Yeah. Um, Cause all of their sounds has have evolved into more. Like I remember when the internet, I really like Mac Miller's live album and I really wish more rappers made live albums. Yeah. Mac Miller's live album and the internet was the, oh, yeah. the band for the album. So you hit Sid and you hear like Matt Marshall on the drums and Patrick Page is on there and yeah. all the other Steve Lacey probably was on. I'm not sure, but Steve oh, Lacey, yeah. he was around because that's when everybody else was around. And I, I thought it was really cool that um, they had that band as them and then they did their own thing. And I think that seeing that crowd with Mac I feel like kind of influenced them or even encouraged them to go ahead and make an ego death or make a hive mind because that's kind of like where that sound was going. Um, and then see it put our own solo project. I really think that like our future was phenomenal, man. And uh, I want to, this is the 10 year anniversary. 
just some of their stuff was last year and this year. And um, I really hope people can start talking about them more because those kids in LA really did some things, man. They made some great music. Um, they, you know, spoke up what they believe in in so many different ways. Um, and I, I thought it's dope, man. And they, a lot of them own some of their music, own a catalog. The business part is done. Tyler did was always creative and did his own music and I mean did his own like art and stuff like that and clothesline and stuff like that man I think all of that really adds up to create an image and the growth I I prioritize personally um when I talk about like the best musicians especially hip-hop like the growth of an artist that that's how I measure um who I feel like are some of the best people. Like if Jay-Z was still rapping like Jay-Z from 20 years ago, I wouldn't say he's the best ever. Yeah. Same with Nas or like Wayne evolved from hot boy Wayne to the Carter to Wayne. And I think yeah. that evolution is what makes you admire some of their greatness. So I actually appreciate um, the the growth of Tyler and the growth of you know, um, of Damo and stuff like that. And I, I think Frank in the article, he was like, um, they say you're one of the mature ones and stuff like that. He like, and everybody plays a part, you know, so I might be a little off to the side, but I'm all a part of the family and stuff like that when it comes to our future. I think it was a great time. They made some great music and I'm happy that they all came up to do what they do now. But Frank yeah. was a big one. I do want to talk about Def Jam though. Oh yeah, let's get into that shit. So, so I know we, we don't make the episode too long, but one of the things that I said earlier was how it reminded me of Lauren, because you're talking about last episode, the most recent episode, and how Lauren was essentially screwed over from a lot of her record label stuff and um, how the record labels gave her bad deals and stuff like that. Then you said how Frank used the Endless album to get out of his Def Jam deal. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think all that is really cool. And he was able to, he made his own buzz with this project. Def Jam did not help him. They shoved him, had him sitting up there. He did it on his own. And then he tell talk, talk about Endless, how that worked out. Cause I think you probably can talk about it better than me. So pretty much the way that he set up Endless was first things first. Like, of course, he was shelved uh for a while. Um, he had to release Nostalgia. That's why Nostalgia Ultra was released through that piff, because that like Def Jam shelved that original album because of course it didn't sound like a Def Jam project, sounded completely different and off the wall. But he released that independently. And when he was trying to release that project, he also released uh, Channel Orange. And they own Channel Orange. So, like, even though he was was able to kind of create that because Nostalgia Ultra was able to give him the certain respect in, like, the blog era type of uh, uh, realm, that certain respect... Um, that's when he was able to actually release Channel Orange. So by the time Channel Orange came out, though it was a success, he was still locked down by Def Jam by that time. And he had another album that he had to create because he was still signed on to that album. So what he ended up doing was he released Endless and he also released Blonde at the same time. Now here's the thing with Blonde. He signed a contract with Apple to release Blonde as an exclusive, but he did it independently in order for him to be to release Blonde without Def Jam's concern. So he ended up releasing Endless as the last Def Jam project that he was going to make for Def Jam. 
And originally, before Endless was available on vinyl or streaming services, it was only this long video that you were that you had to play the entire time. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just this long, endless stream, and you will listen to the music while you were watching him build a staircase. That was the only way that you could listen to that music alongside Blonde or Blonde, excuse me. But Blonde was an Apple exclusive. And at the time, Apple was trying to find any single way to get people interested in using their platform as a streaming services. This was at the realm of the streaming wars, I would say, of 2015, um, which was a pivotal moment for like music nowadays. But at this time, Spotify was reigning king. And because Apple Music was trying to get into the streaming game and they already kind of got into the game, they started using releases like Blonde, like um, What a Time to Be Alive, and, or, or, or like um, Coloring Book to get people interested in coming to Apple. And that's when they hit you with that three-month deal. So yeah. Frank Ocean signed a deal with Apple independently and use Endless as the album for Def Jam to get out of it. Now, the thing with Endless and the thing with Blonde is that both projects were so successful, he was able to buy the masters for his original, for his original projects from Def Jam, and now he owns his entire catalog. So because Blonde did... Oh, I keep saying Blonde. Because Blonde did so well, he was able to use the money that came from Blonde to buy back the masters for Nostalgia Ultra, um, Channel Orange, and Endless. So now he owns all of it independently, and now he's completely an independent artist. Like, that's some genius shit. And, like, he gambled on Blonde, too, because let's say Blonde wasn't as successful as it was, then, like, we would probably wouldn't see Frank Ocean, but the fact that he was able to kind of not only really experiment with Blonde, because I think Blonde was one of my favorite albums of 2015. Um, the fact that he was able to gamble off of that and use the money from that and to, to, to buy back the masters and retrieve the masters for those previous projects that he made, especially at a time when Def Jam wasn't, respecting this shit like that is that is crucial now but don't take everything i say with a fucking grain of salt people don't try to hit me up in my dms be like you were wrong you said like this did like this but this is originally what i said what i heard from asai rocky and then i also did a little bit of research as well so that's what i've came from it but if if I am wrong, reach out to me. Don't reach out to a mod, otherwise I'm jumping you, and <laughs> and we can have a conversation about that if you got the, the 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 paper and numbers. But that is the story of Frank Ocean using Endless to get out of his Def Jam deal. And now he recently—I don't know if it was 2020 or 2019—he recently released Endless through vinyl, so now you can actually listen to it as an as an actual album. But for you, Damn, I want to get that. Right? It's going to be yeah, expensive, I though, I think. Because it's, it's, it's already a rare item. But I would do that. Damn, $300? Yep. Yep. God. But ASAP Rocky was able to really dig into it and provide a really good commentary. So if you really want the the... 
the super detailed notes of it, like definitely check that video out. But that shit was genius. And like the crazy thing was not only did he bank on his creativity, but he also banked on the evolution of the music industry. Because like, once again, like nobody really believed in streaming like that. Like it was, it was still kind of the new thing. And even though Spotify was the king at the time, it was the king of something that was very new. Uh Especially when the blogs were taking over the most time, you know what I'm saying? And then for people who were just into into radio still, they'll just get in the radio. But like once he came out with Blonde through Apple Music, that was one of the big albums to get people over to Apple Music. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. 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 Because it was only on there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it yeah, still man. is only on there. Yeah, it's the only way to watch it. And the only way you can get it is on there. That's really dope. Yeah. yeah, man. I'm happy we did this album though. I'm happy we switched it up. I'm happy we talked about such an album that was I think really game changing. I felt like this um helped open up, you know, and, and give people a, a chance to try different sounds with that music and stuff like that. Um, Frank went on to do a lot of work with Kanye and do stuff with Jay and Beyonce afterwards and stuff like that and really lifted the profile. But I also feel like it helped other people, you know, like the Lucky Days, the Daniel Caesars, the Brent Fires, the the, yeah. the 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 all of these the the new men and women who listen to uh, Frank and able to change. Like I think her and the people who like Pin Game is so crazy. And, they care about stuff and they they try different sounds and their subject matter is is is, is not one way. All the other, I'm not saying Frank created it. I'm not saying enough like that. But I'm saying coming out in 2010, 2011, um, the first real project because he he leaked stuff that got leaked out before and he had the Lonnie it was a Lonnie Bro collection. It yeah. came out the year before was like a bunch of leaked stuff. Other than oh yeah, I remember that. Uh, remember uh, Antigua, Acura, Antigua Girl? That's my shit. Yes, they did a remix. They remixed that song with uh, Three Six Mafia. Oh, that's probably really fire. Yeah. That's yeah. probably fire. That's but yeah, like all of them joints, the joints that leaked, um, he only put out about three official projects, four. So I think all of that adds to, and then also like his ability to stay out of the spotlight and create his own image. And I think all of that adds. Um, I really like him. It makes me wonder how would have other artists been able to use that to the successful. You think of like a Lauren Hill talking about like last week and earlier. I wonder if if she was able to, if she had access to the internet, how would her career would have played out? Because Frank's ability to stay out the limelight and stay off stuff and control stuff and control how his music is taken and consumed, but then also do stuff like he did with Endless, you know, that helps him be a bit more free and own his stuff, which I think is very important to him. So, yeah, yeah. yeah man, any final words about such a great project? I say, uh, find, hey, Frank Ocean, if you're listening to this, first thing, first things first come to the show. Uh, second thing, <laughs> uh, please put your, put, please put this album on streaming services. Like, please, pretty please. I'm not trying to demand it as a fan. Be like, it's money paying fee and I demand it. But if you find it free within your day, you know, when you're not doing incredibly dope shit, just just just, just put that shit on Spotify for your boy. So I can just I like 
If he does, he'll never be able to put like American Wedding on because the Eagles are still. Ah, uh, well, fuck the Eagles name. Same with Radio Radiohead. Radiohead they'll be playing some of their singles. So somebody, I mean, maybe because it's Frank, they might because they feel how he flipped it. Like why? But why is that though? I mean, I, I some people just assholes. Huh? Yeah, man. I mean, there's still a like even though. Hip hop and and R and B has really gone gone a long way from its earlier days. Like it still doesn't get the respect from some people, and this shit irks the fuck out of me, bro. But like that's a whole nother conversation. But this album is definitely a classic. I think it's a gem in the in the rise of uh, uh of the blog era. Well, not even the rise. It was a gem in the in the in the in the middle of the blog era and. I think the year that this album came out was a pivotal year for where R&B was going in the future. Because you know the other album that came out around this time? What's that? The Weekend's House of Balloons. Ooh, you sure enough right. Yeah. These, I remember these two albums came out at the same time because I was sitting in the same goddamn chair yeah, when I saw Bubba Right. And I was definitely playing right. both of them at the same time at one point. Like, this was, like, these two artists alone were, like, haymakers that were going to really change where music was going. And they did in some cases because so many people loved Frank Ocean and they loved the way that he was experimental. And like you said, there's so many artists now that experiment with different sounds in order for them to be different because that's did- the thing, man. The weekend didn't put nothing out in um oh wow it's this actually dropped on the weekend's birthday. That's funny. The weekend oh, wow. didn't put anything out in 2010. Uh was it 2011? That was his first one. Yeah, because I remember that. I remember 2011 being the first the first album. No, you're right. Came out a month later. Came yep. out March uh 12th, House of Balloons. That was his first project. Yep. Oh yeah, I remember that. Shit, man, those were some trippy walks on campus, man. <laughs> but you man, like be, you gotta be in a certain mind space to listen to them. Man. Listen oh to yeah, because I ain't like the weekend. The weekend at first, I ain't like House of Balloons off rip. I like Thursday. I fucked with House of Balloons. I like, Thursday I, was I, good too. I came back to it. I came back to it because it was a little too much for me, man. It was a little. It was sad some moments. Yeah, I'm gonna go back. If I ain't played in a minute, I'm gonna go back and play it. Yeah, damn, you're right. These two did like change the RB, I guess you would say, the singing, the alternative because they both weren't just RB, they both were like fusing all of these different melodies into one sound and you know, pulling from inspiration from the 80s of Prince and Mike and David Bowie and. Yeah, um, and then mixing in some listening to some bluegrass, mixing in some punk rock. So you know the radio heads, the 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 you know people like that, the U2s, the Tom Yorks, the Becks, and like kind of like mixing it and making it on. But then also they clearly was influenced by hip hop and traditional R and B and stuff like that. Man, that's that's big. That, yeah. that that was a big. Ooh, I'm glad you. That was a good point. Yeah. I think Cocaine wow. 80s came out that same year too. Shit. I think you're right. Hold on. No, I think it was one that was the was a little year later, year or two later. Okay. So Ghost DP or the original one? I don't remember, but I kind of feel like I remember listening to them like 2012. 
2013, maybe. Damn, man. I'm looking at these old covers, man. So the pursuit dropped in 2011. Ghost Lady mm. dropped in 2011. The Express wow, OG dropped in 2012. Right. And the Flower of Life dropped in 2013. Oh, I did not hear these seconds. These two. They was they was getting to it. Yeah. Yeah. But Ghost Lady and the Pursuit, yeah, both of those were my shits. Like, especially that uh the the pursuit, man. Um, what's the song? Anywhere but here. Oh man. Oh man, that shit, that shit was so dope. I'm gonna run. I'm gonna run these up the next few days. Do you have any any final words for this wonderful album? Shit, uh, nah, I think we already said it enough. It's a gem, man. It's a classic. It um, aged well. It aged very well too. Definitely did. It aged well, man. It's just the, the subject matter still hits. The sound still hits. Um, it, it stands the test of the time. I, I think in in you know, generations to come. You try to listen to Frank Ocean, and they, you know, they listen to this. They're gonna be like, "Oh wow, he was doing X, Y, and Z, and he was fusing all this cool stuff together." I think it was really cool. Great, great body of work. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely a, a a really good anchor to what he was gonna do in the future. Yeah. Before we wrap up with all of the cool stuff, follow us on social media. Da da da. You know, the usual. We're also announcing our uh, giveaway. Yes. Um, you know what I'm saying? We're working on this for the next past two weeks. Uh, so to enter the giveaway, Kurt, tell me if, if I mess this up. To enter the giveaway, you have to like us on Facebook. Okay. Like us on Twitter. Okay. Follow us on Twitter. Okay. Follow us on IG. Okay. Um, you got to follow at least one podcast like stream. That way they can get notifications of the podcast. Follow us on Spotify. Follow us on iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts at. Um, and then tag a friend. And, and tag a friend on a devil one. So we're going to give away the vinyl um, for college, no, late registration, Kanye West yes. second album, which was our very first episode. Yes. Um, so we're going to post this episode next week. So either probably the day before or the day after, we're gonna put it up there. Maybe even the day before, maybe Wednesday, middle of the week before you before you even see this. Listen yes. to this episode. We're gonna have it up and running. So you gotta tag a friend, follow us, and then we're gonna randomly pick somebody from the comment section um, to see who wants to win. If you don't listen, if you don't have a vinyl player, that's fine. This is a collectible. Yep. You can put it on your wall. And if you if you have a vinyl, it's a great thing to add to your collection. So we're giving away uh, a new copy. So it's not going to be a, a used one. You're going to order a new one, have it shipped to you of Kanye West's second album, Late Registration. Yes, yes. And we're going to try to keep doing this. You flexed up, by the way. Yeah, I flexed um, up. Hey, guy, flex up after that. Get it off the hey, book. Hey, hey, you you had to be an internet nigga. You did the thing. You you did the thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, I got my cave. We're going to try to keep doing this every season, by the way. So, like, yeah, just make sure you keep up, you know, stay up to date with our uh, our episodes. Definitely let us know what's going on. I know I said this in the last one, and I said it very, said it very much so like a pimp. But I'm serious. Let a brother know what you think. If we saying shit that might be wrong and you got the, the, the evidence to back it up, because you're just saying we wrong for no fucking reason, and you ain't bringing us no goddamn evidence to shut the fuck up and 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 don't talk when grown folks are talking but if you actually got something to say 
and you can say it in a positive life, feel free to reach out. Vance B underscore everything. Y'all key on everything. You know what I'm saying? Um, and yeah, like, um, shit, man. We're gonna keep it going. Kind of interesting seeing what's the next album. Shit, we getting really experimental this season. God damn, we started out with we started out with hippity hop and just we just went left field completely. <laughs> I'm a, I'm yeah, I'm man. here for it. I'm here for yeah, it. Fuck time, call, man. It's just fun. Oh, absolutely. Always fuck turtle. <laughs> fuck the turtle. He the only turtle yeah. I don't rock with. Nigga out here looking like a poached egg and shit, man. Fuck you. <laughs> he the only turtle we don't rock with. You know what I'm saying? Hell yeah, bitch ass nigga. Fucking Franklin. For real. <laughs> we rock with Franklin. Franklin cool. He a little slow. We rock with Franklin. He is, right. man. He is. He's he's Franklin's racist uncle. All right, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all follow us. Like he said, do all the good stuff. Look out for the giveaway. If you don't, if you don't see it already. Then we ain't post it, but it's gonna be up before this episode episode goes up. So if you see, if you listen to this, go to our Instagram, yes. find the post, and follow all the rules. And we're gonna ship you regardless of where you at. I know we got listeners all over now. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Oh, damn, gonna, for real? Yeah, man. We get we sprinkling, we sprinkling out. You know, so oh, we got little shit. people. You know, we got some, some stuff on international. You feel me? Oh so, shit! Um, you know what I'm saying? So not know that. Send us if you want. We're gonna we're gonna randomly pick a winner. Email. We can get your email. All that other stuff. And boom, we got you. All right. Without that, peace. Peace. I believe Jehovah Jireh. I believe this heaven. I believe in war. I believe in woman. Gives her the right to choose, but baby, don't afford. I believe that marriage isn't between a man and woman, but between love and love. And I believe you when you say that you've lost all faith. But you must believe in something, something, something. You gotta believe in something, something, something. I still believe in me. Cause I just don't believe we're wicked I know that we sin, but I do believe we try We all try, the girls try, the boys try Women try, men try, you and I Try, try, we all try I don't believe in time travel I don't believe our nation's flag is on the moon I don't believe our lives are simple And I don't believe the show This is interlude I don't believe my hands are cleanly Can't believe that you let me touch your heart She didn't believe me when I said that I lost my faith You must believe in something Something Something
try to believe 